The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey guys, what's going on? Larry D here for part one of the Week 12 preview of the Chicago Bears review. And uh, as I promised uh, during the review show the for Week 11, that uh, doing things a little bit differently because of the holiday. Uh, tomorrow night, uh, when I would normally have had Brandon on the show uh, to preview the game, I'll be on the road heading back to Chicago to spend uh, Thanksgiving uh, with my family. And uh, Friday is when Part 2 of the Week 12 preview will be released. And basically it would be the the segments that would normally go before and after uh, the interview. So that's how we're going to do it uh, this week. And so uh, if you got nothing else going on Black Friday, go ahead and download the show and, and enjoy what I have to offer you uh, then. But um, just got done having a great conversation uh, with Brandon, previewing this game, talking about the parallels between the 2016 Eagles and the 2017 Bears. And hopefully... The 2018 Bears can be the 2017 Eagles, if you follow what I'm saying here. And, uh, you know, we talk a bit about that and, uh, you know, hopes and dreams for the Bears and how we plan to get through this uh, offseason and uh, how the Eagles have progressed through this year to go from being a team that only won seven games last year to have already won nine with six games left in the schedule. So really great talk with him and um, hope you guys enjoy it. And we'll see you on Friday uh, for part two of the week 12 preview, which would just be me uh, previewing this game and adding my own input, what the Bears need to do to have a shot in this game against what is right now the NFL's best team. So uh, enjoy the conversation with Brandon, and we'll see you uh, on Friday. As the fourth quarter of the – actually, this is going to be the end of the third quarter just because of the weird extra week for the buys and everything. As it comes to a close, the Bears – Travel out west, west, good God, travel out east to the Philadelphia Eagles to take them on on Sunday to see if uh, my prophecy uh, can come true and to help uh, help me uh, preview this ball game. Uh, Brandon Lee Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation on SB Nation. Brandon, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So I'm going to tell you real quick what the prophecy is, Brandon. Um, see, two weeks ago, the Bears started the second half of their schedule because they had eight games to buy, and then we got eight games to finish things out. Uh, game one of the of the final eight games was a home game on two weeks rest against an Aaron Rodgerless Green Bay Packer team that had just been embarrassed on national television by the Detroit Lions at home on Monday Night Football. And uh, Brent Huntley, who couldn't throw his way out of a wet paper bag, uh, lit up the secondary um, pretty much at will uh, throughout the football game. And um, uh, we were in, we lost embarrassingly. And um, needless to say, I lost my mind after that game. Uh, I went on a 43-minute uh, uh, profanity-laced tirade um, that I, I posted. That was my episode that week. I actually had to put an explicit tag on it. And the whole nine yards. But part of my prophecy, long story short, was that not only, you know, obviously the Bears lose that game against Green Bay, which they had no business losing to that particular Green Bay team, we would also lose in embarrassing fashion to Detroit, 
which we did, thanks to our kicker, who uh, decided that um, the efforts of uh, young Mitch Trubisky to get us in field goal range in the two-minute drill, ah, screw that. So I'm just going to hook this thing so wide to the right that it's it's going to look like I wasn't even trying to kick it into the middle of the uprights. And then what I said was that we're, we're, you know, we lose the scheme to Green Bay. We're going to lose in an embarrassing fashion to the Lions. But just because the, nothing that the Bears do makes sense, we're going to go to Philly and win. Watch. Just out of spite, <laughs> the Bears are going to win on the road against the best team in football on Sunday. We're going to lose two games we should have won. But we're going to go on the road and win a game that we should lose. So I know that you don't want to see this prophecy come true. But if it does, then I just want credit as a genius. That's all. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think you're insane. I don't. I think <laughs> I've, I've been thinking about this for a while. I've just been looking at the Eagles schedule and I've been thinking to myself, all right, if there is a trap game on the schedule. And before I say that, there's kind of been this silly notion to me that a lot of these trap games were or that's what fans were calling them earlier in this season the, mm-hmm. the chargers game the cardinals game every week it felt like oh this is the trap game and then it never was and i was like no it's not a trap game i think people were just throwing that around way too lightly but in this case <laughs> i think it's actually trap game conditions because you look at the eagles they've been playing so well they've had multiple blowout wins they're coming back home to face a Bears team that's 3-7 and seven before going on a road trip. That's a game that you would kind of overlook. Sure. And I think you look at the Bears, they're 10th in defensive DVOA. Last time I checked, they have, a, they have solid defensive pieces there. Their offense isn't necessarily scaring anyone, but there's something there. And they've played teams close this year. Yeah. Looking at their schedule, I mean, the only blowout losses were to the Packers, and that was when Glenn was starting, and it was uh, also earlier in the season to the Buccaneers. Also, when Glennon was starting, and right. they have familiarity with him since you know he was in Tampa Bay. Yeah, noticing so the I, trend there, Brandon. Uh, when Glennon was starting, things weren't <laughs> going well. So. Exactly. So, so when I look at those things, like I don't think this is a guaranteed win on on, on paper for the Eagles. Well, you know the those that 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 um, put together whatever the line is. Uh, would severely disagree with us both because uh, the last I checked, it was 13 and a half. Has it gone up since then? Do you know? I think it has. I was looking at that recently. Uh, I'm going to pull it up right here. And I think that line is too big. Honestly, I'm taking the point. It's it's 14 at this point. It opened at 11 from what I'm seeing in it. It, it jumped to 14. So yeah. Yahoo has I, it at 14 and a half. That's way too much. Yeah. To... So it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it and, and I see what you mean, you know, not to mention they're coming off this huge road win at Dallas. Um, they've like you said, they, they're going on this West Coast trip. They got two games uh, at Seattle at the Rams. Those are that's one and two in the NFC West right now. Both right now, if the season ended, both of those teams are in the playoffs and you're going on the road to both of those teams, uh, you know, to these two playoff teams, teams that you might end up seeing in the playoffs at this point and you have this this three and seven team that has underperformed since the bye week ended you know coaches on the hot seat rookie quarterback is out there doing things and you know all the rest of that stuff he's out there and every now and then he shows that he's a rookie and he makes a mistake here and there against this team that's that's on a serious roll right now um 33 to 10 51 23 37 to 9 are the last three games uh, for the Eagles, I mean, just 
You know, if these were high school games, you guys would be sitting at halftime. That's how easy you guys are plowing through uh, some of these wins. And here you guys got the Bears coming into town, you know, with that Seattle game on the horizon, on the road, you know, the whole, um, you know, traveling cross country usually hurts the team that's traveling cross country uh, type thing. And, um, you know, but eh, the Bears are coming to town. Oh, we'll, we'll be all right. And then that usually is, you're right, it is a recipe uh, for disaster if the Eagles don't approach the game correctly. Which hasn't been the case this season, too. I mean, they, there's no, there's been no kind of letdown vibe from this team. I mean, you could look at the Sunday Night Football game and point out that the Eagles started slow. They were down 9-7 to seven at the half. But still, I mean, this team has been so good that they can have a half like that and just not even play all that well outside of one drive. And the defense was keeping them in it. I want to give them credit. But the offense was not looking too great at all. And they just come out in the second half and they go 30-0. to zero, uh, And it's just like, man, this team doesn't even have to play a full four quarters and they can still beat the crap out of their opponent. It's just, it, it kind of sounds cliche when you say it's a complete team. But it is. I mean, they're getting production out of everyone on this team I think that's a testament to the coaching. I think it's a testament to Harry Roseman and former Bears executive Joe Douglas for a year there. Yeah, uh, I think you know I think they've assembled a talent, and then the quarterback play. I mean that's that's everything in the NFL. Carson Wentz has looked like the NFL MVP, or at least you know in that conversation. So the Eagles have a lot of things going for them right now. So let's talk about Wentz real quick. I mean, what have you seen from year one to year two? What has what has changed? What what is he not doing that he was doing a year ago? What is he doing better that he was doing well, you know, a year ago and 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 so on to go from you know being this number two pick that showed flashes of greatness last year to all of a sudden being you know in the discussion for not only being you know a Pro Bowler but to actually be named the best player in football this year. I think one of the biggest criticisms of Carson Wentz coming out of 2016 was his mechanics were sloppy and he kind of needed an offseason to really work on that and I think that's been definitely an improvement there I think that's kind of been tightened up his release point uh, his footwork he's really he's worked really hard on those things he went to uh, you know a throwing specialist he's kind of really worked on his craft that's one of the appeals of Carson Wentz everyone works hard in the NFL for the most part but Carson Wentz is really known for being an obsessive kind of freak of nature hard worker guy uh, I think Carson Wentz puts the work in. I think it really just flourishing in this offense has been possible because not just of him in terms of improving mechanics, but just because they, they have pieces around him now. I mean, they, they have actual NFL wide receivers. I can't stress enough how last year, it's not even like the Eagles had average receivers and he, he couldn't get it done. I mean, they had guys who didn't belong in the NFL. <laughs> you look at Doriel Green Beckham, he's not in the league. He got cut this summer and no one picked him up. You look at Bryce Treggs, he was on the practice squad. He's on the, the Browns now, not really doing a lot. He was one of their top, top guys, Josh Huff. He's out of the league. Nelson Aguilar is not, was not playing nearly as well as he is now. He was, he's arguably one of the worst receivers in the league. And then Jordan Matthews was his top receiver, and he's been hurt in Buffalo. But, I mean, Jordan Matthews at, at best is just like an okay slot receiver. So the Eagles upgraded the talent around Carson Wentz. That's made a huge, dif- huge difference. He's made adjustments to his mechanics and then just his mastery of the offense of the line scrimmage really just having that whole year in the system, mastering the scheme, making those pre-snap adjustments. I think all of that combined has just kind of really led to his 
just the huge leap from being a rookie to this year. And you know that's something that I was uh, that I mentioned uh, on, on my last episode when I was talking about this game coming up um, between the Bears and the Eagles. It's just that you know you can really draw parallels between the two teams as far as you know they the I mean all the way down to what number the quarterback was selected in. You know Trubisky, the number two pick, like Wentz was a year ago. Uh, no no targets, no you know NFL ready receivers for him to throw to and somehow managed to find himself with a, a seven and nine record just basically off of true grit and talent, uh, you know, last year. And here we are with the bears in a very, very, very similar situation. Um, I mean, it was to the point where that's why I didn't want the bears to draft a quarterback. I didn't want, uh, it wasn't so much. I didn't want Trubisky. I didn't want the bears drafting a quarterback because we weren't ready for one yet. We don't have the pieces around him for this kid to succeed, whether it's Trubisky, Watson, or Mah- you know Patrick Mahomes, no matter who it is. The Bears are not ready yet. They need to go out and get some more guys and then go get the quarterback. And instead, they did it in reverse like the, the Eagles did. They got the quarterback, and now he's got no one around him that's really worth talking about. Or like maybe in the Eagles situation, a lot of guys that aren't going to be here uh, next year. And, um, you know, that could see the what the, the big jump for Trubisky is a year from now if the Bears go out and get, you know, get themselves an Alshon Jeffrey and a, and a Torrey Smith that will help enhance what uh, a Nelson Aguilar can do, which also opens things up for Ertz and, and your tight ends and, and things like that. It can really blow up the offense when, the, when, when Wentz had somebody to throw to and then could be, uh, you know, what we're talking about a year from now for the Bears with Trubisky. I definitely think that has to be a priority for Chicago getting out there and getting some more weapons for the quarterback. I also think a big thing in this equation for Chicago has to be the coaching. I mean, it has to. Oh they, my God. they have to you get have no good. Idea, dude. You, you, they have and to get actually, good offensive coaching. There. Yeah, let me stop you real there. Just one quick. It's like because you talked about that a moment ago. Was that you know with with him and Peterson and uh Frank Reich is still your is he the offensive coordinator or just he's the offensive coordinator he and then the John Filippo is really good quarterback coach there you go so i mean you have that around Trubisky that or excuse me around Marlon Wentz that's my one concern as far as going from year 1 to year 2 who if number 1 do we fire Fox i mean right now that's almost a certainty god forbid whatever happens in the last 6 games but that looks like that's a done deal Especially, we're zero and four in the division. He's three and thirteen in two and a half years in the Yikes. NFC North. That's 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 an abomination. That cannot happen. Um, he went one and five year one. He went two and four year two. He's zero and four right now. And the two games we have left in the division are at the road at are on the road at Detroit at uh, Minnesota. And we've been swept by the Packers for the you know for the second time in three years. I mean, it's 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 bad. It's real bad. But, you know, do we bring him in instead of him being in the same system for the second year in a row like Wentz is, he's going to be starting fresh with a new coach, a new quarterback, and a new quarterback coach, a new um, offensive system uh, altogether. So, I mean, if, if, that's, if we don't see as big a leap, I, I think that probably would be why. Well, I mean, the Bears always could just hire <laughs> Frank Reich uh, to be their head coach. He's been getting head coaching buzz in the past. Or they could hire John Filippo to be their offensive coordinator. Hmm. I think uh, I think he'll actually potentially get head coaching buzz too. So that could also be something to watch there. Sure. Uh, that's, that's I think, you know, the, the wide receivers, yes, that has to be done. That'll help. But uh, I think coaching has also 
been a big part of why Carson Wentz has been successful. Yeah. Well, you look at just the play calling from Doug Peterson. I mean, I think Doug Peterson is – I can't believe I'm saying this because there's so much doubt about this guy when he was hired in Philly. But I, I legitimately believe he's one of the better play callers in the NFL, at least what we've seen at this point. I mean, you wouldn't think that just be, because based on name recognition or lack thereof. But he's done a, a great job of putting Carson Wentz in situations where he's comfortable – uh, he's done a good job of actually listening to Carson Wentz. I mean, I don't know if, if this has been uh, – probably hasn't registered on the national level, but uh, when the Eagles were playing the Washington in Monday Night Football a couple weeks ago, about a month or so ago, uh, one of the touchdown passes that Carson Wentz threw was actually a play that they ran at North Dakota State, and Carson Wentz wanted to put it into the offense. So I think you have to give the coaching a lot of credit to being willing to – hear feedback from the players i think i think coaching is is such a big part of this and i just don't i don't see it with john fox and his staff yeah no you're 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 dead on uh, about that i mean mitch trubisky said something in the i think in the monday press conferences or actually may have been sunday after the after the game that that definitely perked up a lot of people's ears and the, the 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 quote was and i'm paraphrasing that you know if coach fox lets us open up the offense like what if coach fox lets you open up what <laughs> what are you talking about i mean and this was a few days after this gem where both loggins and fox in lockstep both said in the same day uh i don't and like i said i don't know who went up first so i don't know who was echoing who but they went out there and they said that the defense dictates who the personnel is on the field for the offense they were saying this in res- in response to why it is that uh, Tariq Cohen, who was lighting up the NFL the first several weeks of the season, why he hasn't been in, as involved in the offense as he was in the beginning. And they were sitting there trying to tell you know, reporters and fans and the world alike that it's because of who the defense is putting out there on the field that they're dictating who the Bears send out uh, on offense, which almost made my head explode. When I when I when I read that, I didn't get to hear it. I got to read it, and I know that both of them said it. Not great. No, <laughs> I no. I honestly just I I don't get it. I never really was like a big John Fox guy. I know he had some good years back there in Carolina, and you know the Broncos did some some nice things as well. But I mean, I just I don't I don't see it with him, man. Especially at this point, and that staff, I they gotta they gotta get better offensive staff in there they just have to i mean <laughs> yeah it's, it's uh it's it's, it's been a disaster it really good. has been no it's been awful um you know it's uh the the ineptitude and the amount of um the lack of imagination i mean it finally showed some this week against detroit and we had some really good success we ran the ball for over 200 yards uh against the lions and that was greatly due to the fact that we finally mixed up the formations that we we're running the football in you know, instead of putting three tight ends out there and putting a fullback in front of the tailback and then running into a brick wall of humanity and trying to figure out why that keeps happening, the Bears actually did four wide and ran out of pistol. You know, they started mixing things up and all of a sudden they're finding these huge gigantic holes for Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen to run into. And I mean, even Trubisky had over 50 yards rushing in this game uh, against the Lions. And that's what showing a little imagination as far as your your uh, personnel and, and your formation uh, groupings will do uh, for you. I mean, and just like everybody that was watching the game was just like, 
finally some you know imagination you know it's like it's what the why the hell did this take so long i mean this is what we've been doing literally since week one just getting by on what we can do and the defense uh you know being monsters in the first eight games and the the second half of the year hasn't been like that but now that we're trying to open things up on offense and letting trubisky do more we might see a little bit of a change there I think the interesting thing for me is uh, the question I would have is, is do you trust Ryan Pace? Well, that is a two-sided question <laughs> because his draft picks have been awesome. You know, we got Trubisky. He's doing well. Cohen has been fantastic. Eddie Jackson could be a pro bowler uh, this year. Adam Shaheen is, is slowly coming along. You look back at last year, Leonard Floyd, he was good. Um, you know, Jordan Howard obviously uh, has been a beast for us in his first draft. Eddie Goldman, um, you know, he's had some misses in the draft, like Kevin White, for starters. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's been hitting more than he's been missing in the draft. It's it's his free agent acquisitions. It's like for every Akeem Hicks, we seem to have three or four Quentin Demps or and, and this Marcus Wheaton. We signed this guy, you know, who came to Chicago because he was tired of being overshadowed in Pittsburgh. And then, A, he's either not healthy enough to be on the field. And then when he's out there, he's only out there for a handful of plays. And that, I mean, that's got something to do. I mean, I I just wonder how much of it actually has to do with Marcus Wheaton and and not the ineptitude of the guys that are actually putting him out uh, on the uh, on the field. And so, how much did he get again? How much money did he get? Wheaton was like two years, eleven million. Yeah, I mean that's funny too because Alshon got like <laughs> one year, uh, nine million, and like up to it's like a max value of fourteen. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he's in a one-year prove-it deal, and I'm sure that you guys are going to open up the purse strings to make sure he doesn't go anywhere. But hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully we'll see. But um, you know, it, as far as trusting pace drafting, I mean, he was that he was their head scout down in New Orleans for years. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he played a big part in the sustained success that the Saints had. Free agency, that's where he's had more of his misses uh than than anything else. I mean, in this particular offseason, his stock went down for me because we had tons of cap space and obvious holes and instead of going out and getting a marquee guy like a Stefan Gilmore or an AJ Bouye to help bolster the secondary, he goes out and gets a Marcus Cooper, a Prince of Mukamura. And a Quentin yeah. Demps, and those guys aren't working out. Prince of Mukamura is good when he's healthy and on the field, but he's he's healthy this week. He's got an ankle the next week. He's here fine. He leaves the game with a hamstring, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We can't get any consistency out of him as far as him being on the field for, for every snap. And the secondary has been a liability the last two weeks against Green Bay and Detroit. And now did Pace hire Fox too? I can't remember. That's a good question. Um, they both came in together. Okay. So, um, you know, it was kind of like the Bears hired them both. Yeah. And uh, almost, I think they, they hired Pace and then immediately hired Fox right okay. after. So I don't think Fo- uh, Pace had much choice as far as who his first head coach was going to be. And that's why I think he will probably survive yeah. this. this uh, not to mention, like I said, his, his drafting for the most part has been impeccable. Yeah, it sounds um, like he should. Yeah, I mean, so I think... I think he should get a second he get a shot with a second head coach and uh, hopefully one that he'll have input with and, you know, that kind of thing. So as to, you know, maybe have a better working relationship because there's always been rumors about how well Pace and Fox get along. 
Right. And that's always going to happen, especially when you have that weird dynamic where it's not clear that the coach is the GM's guy. You know, it's yeah. nice to have that. And that, in the Eagles case, that's exactly what it is. I mean, it was almost to the point where it felt like maybe too much because it was like, you know, the coach was kind of just a puppet to some extent. And maybe that's <laughs> yeah. okay because yeah. we look at what happened with Chip Kelly and he wanted too much control and that kind of was not good at all for the Eagles. But he, uh, so Harry Roseman takes back over. Doug Peterson is hired as Howie Roseman's guy. And Doug Peterson isn't a threat at all, really, in terms of a guy who's going to make a, a power play to, to become the GM or, you know, the de facto GM or, mm-hmm. or try to get more involved in personnel they kind of keep that separate and personally i actually like that a lot i mean i don't want my head coach being the gm those are two different jobs for a big reason there's a there's a short-term focus and there's a long-term focus there i think with the bears from the outside looking in i mean there's some pieces there i mean you have absolutely yeah a quarterback who might be able to be something you have a running game uh i think your offensive line is not bad right am i mistaken there i mean there's when they're uh, healthy yeah kyle Kyle long's been in and out of the lineup this year uh things like that when he's in there the offensive line is whole because josh Sitton is good cody whitehair is a future pro bowler at center the tackles leave a little to be desired i mean we i definitely think that should be a focus of the draft for sure is to get uh, uh an offensive tackle uh, like of the future kind of thing. But like this past week against Detroit, um, Kyle Long is back in, Cody Whitehair is at center. We rushed for over 200 yards in this game. A week ago, Kyle Long isn't in there. Um, Kyle, Cody Whitehair is playing, you know, guard. Uh, Heronis Grasso is our center who's, God bless him, but he, <laughs> he stands straight up just about every play. You wonder why he's getting shoved into the backfield. We rushed for 65 yards against green bay so it's literally night and day kyle long is kind of the steam that drives the engine if he's in there then we're solid because then we have sitting long and white hair in the middle that's one of the best interior lines in football we can get things going when when kyle long isn't in there then it becomes an issue yeah so it sounds like there's some pieces here and then again the defense there's there's certainly some pieces there yeah it certainly sounds like it's just I think coaching can make a big difference for this team, or at least that's the direction worth seeing. I mean, you, yeah. you bring in a new coaching staff. At that point, you see, does that make a difference? I think it could. I think, you know, getting some more talent around Trubisky and getting a new coaching staff should be the focus for Chicago this offseason. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if we could get like a Sean McVay type guy, a younger guy, um, you know, because Ryan Pace is only 39 years old. You know, the fact that he's in there with a, with a coach that's, from a different era you know john fox is a run the football play defense kind of guy and that's just not really the kind of football that succeeds in the nfl these days you know i mean look at brady and belichick brady checks i mean excuse me belichick is an old school guy but he's definitely open-minded and and follows the times he's got brady out there throwing 40 times a game and doing what he can you know like a wizard on defense and, and doing what they can um there you know look at what the rams and the eagles are doing right now i mean you guys you know run the football but it's wentz and company that that drive the offense uh you know same thing with Goff out there in in uh in los angeles they finally got him some weapons out there they get a a sean McVay who's a lot more imaginative and you know going to open up the offense uh, not you know unlike jeff fisher and they're seven and three leading the division uh out there both with second year quarterbacks it's you know, you got to see what's going on in the NFL, and John Fox is blind to it. 
Yeah, it's not it's not great. Again, it's not great when it comes to John Fox and and everything that's going on there. It's uh, it's time for a change of scenery. We've seen it again. Just going back to what the Eagles have been able to do, uh, how much coaching matters and how much uh, the Eagles have making or just made a, a big leap from being seven and nine in 2016 to right now nine and one. I mean yeah. that's kind of crazy. I think the, I, I saw a stat today that. The Eagles have actually scored the same amount of touchdowns already as they did last year, and there are still <laughs> six games to be played. Yeah, uh, so that's that's pretty crazy. And it was frustrating last year, man, to kind of to sympathize with you there. It was at a point where uh, I think Doug Peterson was being criticized as a play caller, but the reality is, like, man, these these wide receivers just aren't good. It doesn't matter what play he is calling; he's not. It does. You can't scheme around guys who don't belong in the league. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's just you guys are in kind of a situation where it's just it's a rough year. But I think you know if if there are changes made, there's going to be room for optimism at that point. Absolutely, and I, I definitely think you're right about that. I mean, we look at what the Eagles did last year, seven and nine, with very little offense to to speak of. It's a very similar conversation that I had with um, with uh, Tyler Raymond, who was my uh, Saints guy this year was that the the Saints were seven and nine without a defense last year. I mean they've got a better defense this year and look at them now. They've won eight in a row and they're, you know, ahead in the the NFC South. So you come in with, you know, if you go out and fix what needs fixing and it works, because, you know, sometimes you go out there, you try to find the pieces and it doesn't work out. But in the in the Eagles case, you needed to put some weapons around Wentz and that opened things up for the for the offense. It's helping this guy grow as a quarterback it's giving him confidence he's you know if he keeps up at this he's a marquee name in the league um and you know a, could be an nf could be a major player as far as being an mvp um this year i mean talk about what that's going to do uh going forward because that's what's kind of got me excited about trubisky and how he's progressing in the season and how he's showing that he's a guy that deserved to be picked number two is that you know Alshon Jeffrey signed with the Eagles because he wanted to play with Wentz. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that there's somebody out there, an Alshon Jeffrey-like person, and you know, an Antonio Brown, somebody that sees like, you know what, this Trubisky gets at something. I want to play with him uh, next year and, and see how that works out. Because the Eagles were seven and nine, there was no guarantee that a season like this was going to happen. But the intrigue of playing with a Carson Wentz was enough to bring in an Alshon Jeffrey and a Torrey Smith. And next thing you know. You guys are nine and one, sitting the best record in football right now. One of the funniest things about the Alshon situation is that when he signed in Philadelphia, he wrote or he ghost wrote, I'm sure, a piece for the Players Tribune where he was talking about how he believed Carson Wentz would be a future MVP, which is insane because now he's already having an MVP season. I don't think he meant this season, but it kind of turned out to be true. I also think. And this is something that kind of got attention today with the Eagles playing the Bears this week. I'm sure you remember it, that Alshon at the, at the end of last season had said, we're going to win the Super Bowl next year. Yeah. And, and today, <laughs> today he said, I didn't say which team. Yeah, that was so. Cute. I guess that's a fair uh, point by him. And true, uh, that would be crazy though. That'd be fun. like that'd be hilarious if that happened. Like if if Alshon is right and he he called his shot and went to the MVP and he called his shot and the Eagles won the Super Bowl. That would be like insane. Well, you know, I'm I'm actually pulling for you guys. Not this Sunday, of course, Thanks. but I am pulling yeah. for you guys because the NFL needs some new blood. 
Yeah. Um, you know, it needs, I mean, the, the funny, the cool thing is, number one, it's the NFC, and there's always new blood in the NFC. That's why I love the NFC. Not just because my team plays there, but you go over to the AFC, and it's Pittsburgh, it's New England, it's Denver. You know, Denver obviously having a down year this year. I got excited when I'm seeing the Chiefs doing things. They're starting 5-0, and but right now they're 6-4. and They've lost four out of the last five. And meanwhile, New England and Pittsburgh are both sitting at 8-2, and serious contenders, you know, for the AFC. It's boring on the AFC. It's always somebody new over there, you know. It's like it really could use an infusion over there. I mean, do you think the Jaguars are going to take down the Steelers or the Patriots in the playoffs this year? I don't, but God no. would only hope. There's certainly a be rooting for rooting like hell for either of those teams that they end up playing the Steelers or the Patriots in the in the playoffs this year just because, you know, it's boring seeing the same team in the in the in the championship all the time. And, um, you know, the teams like the Eagles and the Rams and, you know, even the Saints kind of, you know, reemerging and, and just knocking the norms down. No more Cowboys. And, you know, the Panthers were ruling the South there for a while. Not this year. And, uh, you know, the, the Seahawks have been good, but they're in second place this year, not in first. And, you know, just really mixing things up because it also helps with free agency guys move around. It's like, well, I thought maybe I wanted to sign with New England or Seattle, but instead, Maybe I want to play in L.A. Maybe I want to go to Jacksonville or, you know, that kind of thing. And not just for the money. Actually, you're winning in Jacksonville now instead of just going down there to get paid. You talk about, you know, the fresh blood in the NFL and maybe taking out the old guard. To me, what better way to do that than an Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl? <laughs> uh, certainly for Eagles fans, that holds a special place for them because you look at when the Eagles were last in the Super Bowl it was mm-hmm. against the Patriots in 2004 right and you know that was it was frustrating to finally get there and to lose to that team so to be able to come back and kind of do that this year I think that would just be such a great narrative at least for the Eagles for the NFL maybe in the sense of all right move over Belichick and Brady you know there's like a new new quarterback head coach combination on the rise in Winston Peterson which again that all just sounds very crazy to me because there was doubts about Doug Peterson most people were on board with Carson Wentz but there was questions too so for them to be like for us to be even talking about that at this point I think it shows just how quickly things can change in the NFL too which is I think a big part of why we're all fans of it because there's such a a big level of unpredictability and it's not you know there's our exceptions I mean the Browns we know they're going to be bad but some teams (laughs) You know, you, you finish like the Eagles seven and nine, and it doesn't mean you're going to be mediocre again next year. There's no guarantee you'll get better. You could get worse, but you know, sure. there's a, a possibility that something special could happen, and that's what's happening with the Eagles right now. Yeah, and it's it's definitely fun to watch, just as a fan of the game to to see, you know, the Rams in first place, the Saints in first place, you know, and uh, the 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 Viking. I mean, it's it's funny with the NFC North; those are all old guard teams. You know, the youngest of those teams is the Vikings, and they're 50-something years old now. So, um, but, the, you know, the Bears, the Lions, the Packers, those teams have been around for 100 years now. So it's it's different to have an old, you know, a new blood kind of team come out of that division. But everyone else around it, um, you know, except maybe the Giants in, in the NFC, those are all, you know, you know kind of new blood uh, uh, type teams. And to see the, the, the one-year reversal, if you will, of uh, you know Wentz and company and, and taking their lumps last year uh, as a rookie and not having the help around him and then coming out a year later 
with some new uh, with some new faces and some some upgraded talent and for that for that to work out and and to dominate the way that they have you know what what's uh what's the running game like i know you guys went out and got jay ajay you stole him from the the dolphins i mean that was highway robbery that the way that you just went ahead and got him uh away from miami um i remember thinking it's like don't they have a good running back in philadelphia was was he what what was the the the, the motivation behind going out and getting him on the trade deadline well, early in the season, uh, after the Eagles actually lost in week two, everyone was complaining, oh, Doug Peterson didn't run the ball enough. And I was losing my mind. I went on Facebook Live on, on the, um, the Bleeding Green Nation Facebook, live, or Facebook page, and I did a, a live video, and I was, I was just like yelling. I was just like, the running backs aren't good enough. And they weren't. I mean, in reality, on paper, they weren't. I mean, you were looking at LeGarrette Blunt, who – coming off a big yes a big workload but he was only averaging like 3.9 for the patriots last year like that's not great and he turns 31 this season so if you're counting on him to be your feature back and your answer like that's not the best thing uh he's not a guy who's taking 25 carries a game he's not that kind of guy at this point especially so you had him you had wendell smallwood who's actually a healthy scratch now He's like the fifth string running back on this team. The Eagles drafted. They actually traded up to draft Donald Pumphrey in the fourth. And he's just, he didn't even look like much of an NFL player in the preseason. He's just too small and light. He's not Darren Sproles. Like, Darren Sproles is small, but he's stocky. Uh, Donald Pumphrey is small, and he's just light. And I think, you know, for the Bears tie in there, I think the Eagles probably wanted Tariq Cohen there. And I think the Bears got ahead of them. And. And they missed out on him. But uh, hmm. so you had those guys. You have Corey Clement, who was fine. He was dra- undrafted free agent out of Wisconsin. Not a bad player, but not like an exceptionally good one. Kind of just a guy, you know, a, a dime a dozen running back in the NFL. At least that's what we thought at the time. Sure. So the Eagles just didn't have very many inspiring running backs, especially. They didn't have one guy you could just point to and be like, all right, we're going to uh, ride that guy for this game. Like they couldn't. And. Now, the offensive line picked it up after that Chiefs game. The Eagles made a change at guard, which really helped because the guy who was playing there, Isaac Sumalo, he was a third-round pick. He was just really struggling. So they, they made a switch. Uh, that's helped a lot. The offensive line has played well. The running backs, LeGarrette Blunt has been effective, but he's still not that you know lead-back type. So I think that's why the Eagles really did go out and try to get Jay Ajayi, especially because he still has one year left on his deal, and he's such a, uh, a young player that uh, he has the potential to be a long-term piece if this thing you know, is, is smooth and it's working out. And he's been great so far. He's, he's really added uh, an element to the Eagles' offense where before, I think they were something like fourth in rushing when they traded for him, but they weren't getting those explosive runs because they mm-hmm. didn't have a running back like that. Jay is a guy who can break off those runs. We saw it against Denver yeah. in Week 9. He had a 46-yard touchdown. We saw it on Sunday night against Dallas. He had a 71-yard run. So that's why the Eagles went out and got Jay Ajayi. They really needed someone who can kind of – because they were opening big holes for LeGarrette Blunt. but LeGarrette Blunt's not going to go rushing down the field 71 yards. He's going to get a 20-yard gain. So I think that was the, the impetus of that trade. Yeah, Blunt's uh, – I, I would classify Blunt as a closer, not so much a um, – yes. You know, he's the guy that you that's fun to watch. Yeah, you you get you call him out of the bullpen when you're in the five yard line, mixing up my sports analogies there. But you know, you're you you pull him off the bench when you're at the five and you want him to just run forward and drag some linebackers into the end zone, uh, kind of thing. When when you're when you're trying to run a draw on third and twelve, Blunt's not the guy. 
So, uh, you know, I think JGI definitely fits that mold a lot better when you're, it's like, well, well, it's third and 14. We're going to run the draw play here. Uh, let's get the guy who could actually break one for about 20 yards if he gets the right uh, set up in front of him. And, uh, yeah, I definitely think he would uh, definitely think he would fit that mold a lot better. So real quick, let's talk about your your defense, because I'm sure everyone knows that uh, it's not just Fletcher Cox doing it all by himself, right? Correct. There is there's a lot of people. <laughs> there's this defensive line. Honestly, I, I think it really is one of the deepest defensive lines in the NFL. That's how I felt going into the season. So that's not just revisionist history there. I mean, the Eagles spent a lot of resources in the trenches. That's That was a very uh, conscious and focused effort to do that. They said that before the season. They wanted to bolster the offensive line. They wanted to bolster the defensive line. And that's really been the strength of this team on both sides of the ball. That's why you're seeing a lot of the success of the team overall. The defensive line, it's Fletcher Cox. He's been able to get more one-on-one matchups and not be double-teamed because Tim Jernigan, who the Eagles also extended recently, that guy can stop the run. That guy can get pressure as well. The Eagles used to have Benny Logan, who's with the Chiefs now, and Benny Logan was drafted to be in the 3-4. He was more of a run stuffer, not so much a pass rusher. A good player, but just not a great scheme fit for the Eagles. 4-3, wide 9, attacking defense. You have Derek Barnett, who was a first-round pick in the 2017 NFL draft. Thank you, Vikings, for trading for Sam Bradford. Uh, That's been working out well for the Eagles. Derek Barnett looks really good. You have Brandon Graham, who uh, consistently, year after year, he doesn't get the stack numbers, but he's always one of those guys who gets a ton of pressure. He gets a ton of hurries and, and hits on the quarterback, and he's a really good run defender. So the Eagles are really stout up front. They have the best run defense in the NFL. Teams aren't even trying to run on the Eagles for the most part. Uh, the Cowboys had some success on the ground against Philadelphia on Sunday Night Football. I think part of that was because the Eagles were really trying to key in on Dak and make sure he didn't rush all over them. I think they were willing to kind of let Alfred Morris take what he can get because they weren't too afraid of him uh, taking it to the house or something kind of like that. I think they were more worried about Dak taking off. So uh, this is just a really good Eagles defense so far. The the defensive line is strong. Nigel Bradham and Michael Kendricks are playing well. Linebacker, you have Ronald Darby back. He missed uh, most of the season here. He, He got hurt in week one. He's a legitimate starting quarterback. Jalen Mills, I think, is a, is a good number two cornerback, too. Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod on the back end are a good pair of starting safeties. So you just look at this defense all across, and there's there's really, really no weakness in it. Yeah, I mean, and, and the results are, are prevalent. I mean, especially in the last several weeks. It's like in the beginning of the season, we are kind of giving up the points 17, 27, 24, 24, but it's like the Arizona game, 34 to 7, um, the Carolina was 28-23, but that game wasn't that close. That was kind of a late surge from Carolina, yes. wasn't it? And, yeah. you know, same thing with Washington, 34-24. to And then the last three weeks, 33-10, to 51-23. And then Dallas, you know, you guys pitched a shutout in the second half to win that one 37-9. to it's, it's obvious that it's not just because Wentz and company are putting points on the board, but also because the defense is doing its job to keep the opponent from scoring them. Yeah, I think uh, Jim Schwartz is definitely going to get some consideration for being a head coach this offseason. I know the last stint didn't work out well in Detroit, but I think people are going to be tempted by it. I don't, I don't know for sure if he gets a job, but I think he's going to get some interviews. I think people are going to kind of uh, want to see what he can maybe 
what his plan is at least to 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 be a head coach in the NFL again. He's he's done a pretty good job with this defense. Again, you're getting good play out of everyone. I didn't even mention the Eagles nickel cornerback earlier, Patrick Robinson, who if you look at the passer rating when he's been targeted for other quarterbacks, it's it's fifty four point five. He's pretty much been one of the best slot cornerbacks in the league this year. So it's just a very well rounded team as a whole, but the defense is a part of that and you're to me, again, it all starts with that defensive line. They're just so stout against the run. They they lead the NFL in pressures by a lot. So this is uh, a really strong unit. And as, as far as it pertains to this week against the Bears, I know the Chicago offense isn't all that great to begin with. So I think that's going to be a, a matchup. That part doesn't scare me. It's more about the Bears' defense that I'd be concerned about. And, you know, I think that's a legitimate concern as far as, you know, I mean, just looking at the way that they performed the last two weeks. I mean, and also, you know, the Eagles have a better offense than the, the, the ones that we faced the last two in, in Detroit and, and Green Bay, Green Bay especially without Aaron Rodgers. Um, but, I mean, the Bears' defense or whatever has not performed well um, since the Carolina game. I mean, we did we did well against... Uh, the Saints, we we forced some turnovers there that gave the offense some shots at the end to try to tie the game up. But for the most part, their their masterpiece was against Carolina, where we shut down Cam Newton, only allowed three points, scored two defensive touchdowns, and were in Newton's face uh, for the whole game. They need a get back game, and you know it, it would really be interesting to see if the defense comes out motivated to try to get after. Uh, to get after Wentz to to try to shut down um, this offense because I think one of two things is going to happen. Okay, number one, I think the Bears will win, or you will absolutely murder us. It won't be <laughs> a tight twenty-one to seventeen Eagle win. I think the Bears will win the game in a close one, or Philly will win fifty-one to something like they did a couple of weeks ago against uh, Denver. That's the spectrum that I expect on Sunday a close game and maybe the Bears pull out the upset you know that will basically chill out the the Eagles so that they go you know and then like the rest like you said we were talking before we we got started was the 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 last five games on the schedule aside from those two west coast trips you know never being good for the 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 team that's on the, the east coast that's always difficult for one reason or another the the wins the games every single game on the schedule is extremely winnable for the way this team is playing right now so maybe this could be that one that 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 this game that if you if it happens and the miracle occurs and the bears win it kind of shakes the the eagles and be like okay we're focused now we're going to go ahead and plow through the rest of this and you'll be 13 and 3 14 and 2 number one seed and you know a force to be reckoned with in the uh in the playoffs uh coming ahead see i see it i see a little bit different i see i think it, it could be a little bit closer in terms of like a 10 point game I think it could be a situation where, um, again, it just comes down to the Bears' defense kind of just having, you know, there could be some turnovers. I think it could be a little bit closer than the Eagles would like. I do think they win. It's just they've been so good at home. I mean, they've been so good, period, these past couple weeks and for most of the season here, but especially at home. I mean, Doug Peterson is 11-2 and two at home. Wow. Their losses were uh, to the Packers last year. Aaron Rodgers, you know, just kind of hard to stop. I'm sure you know sure. about that. And the, the other one uh, was at Washington, also at home. The Eagles were playing with a makeshift offensive line, and they almost came back to win that game. 
uh, just the the right tackle got injured and and allowed a, a strip sack on like the final play of the game. So they've been playing pretty well at home. Uh, so I, I think it would have to be some kind of tight game here. Uh, I it's it's so hard for me to pick the Eagles to lose just because it's not fluky with them. This isn't right. like the 2014 Eagles where they were scoring on defense and special teams at like in a historical rate. It just that wasn't sustainable. The things they're doing are sustainable. I mean, you have good offensive line play, you have good defensive line play. Uh, the coaching is good. There's talent. The the quarterback is everything. Again, comes down to to that. I just when I look at all of that. Uh, there's nothing to me where I can be like, you know, I, I'm super concerned because uh, even when the Eagles come out flat, as I said earlier in the show, they've shown that they can turn it on in a hurry. And they have a lot of different players and a lot of different weapons they can go to. It's not as simple as, OK, we're going to eliminate this one guy and that's going to take away your team. It doesn't really work like that. I mean, you, you can't eliminate uh, the quarterback. And even if you could, the defense has been able to do some things to keep the team in the game uh, if the quarterback isn't playing his best game. So I feel pretty confident about the Eagles in this one, sure. and I, I do think they win. Well, I would agree with you. Um, you know, you just especially after the week, the way that the Bears have played uh, the last two weeks, and and my little prophecy that I predicted after the Green Bay game was just out of pure anger <laughs> it's just like I mean, just because you know the, the, everything even in the the three games that the bears have won this year um there's been a yeah but kind of thing attached to all three of them we win that game uh, at home against pittsburgh but um it, we had to it, number one it took overtime to do it and it should have never gotten to overtime the bears made the plays to win it in regulation but we also were, were too busy tripping over our feet that we let pittsburgh back in the game a couple of weeks later we're at baltimore uh the the defense only allows nine points uh, scores a defensive touchdown sacks flacco like five times but special teams gave up two return touchdowns uh in that ball game and that's why that one had to go to overtime for the bears to win it uh, one week later, we're at home. We're against Carolina. We shut the Panthers' offense down, only allowed three points, two defensive touchdowns this time. But the offense is only on the field for 37 plays. Trubisky only attempts seven passes, and the offense only scores three points on its own. So there is always something that where you come, even in our victories, where we come walking away like we won, but I don't feel like we won. And that's the complete opposite of what's happening uh, in Philadelphia, you win. You're you're nine and one. And has there been a victory this week where you either a felt lucky or you kind of walked away, kind of feeling like you lost at the same time? Um, I don't think there has, which is very you know very fortunate to be able to say that. I mean, uh, you look at the Giants game that was earlier on in the season, and that wasn't the best game because the Eagles had a lead and they kind of just they almost blew it. It took a 61 yard field goal at the end to win. So that was kind of maybe a situation could fit that. But overall, I mean, there's there's not been a game here where uh, there's there's been much doubt about this team. I think people didn't love the win over the 49ers because it was kind of a sloppy game. But, I mean, it was raining in that game, and the Eagles still won by 23. So how could how upset could you really be? Right. Uh, the Panthers game ended up being, I think, a lot closer than it should have been. Uh, but, like, officiating was a huge factor in that game. It felt like 
the Panthers weren't even playing all that well, and then there would be some kind of critical moment where there would be like a BS penalty that would an extended drive or kind of just totally help the Panthers out. And then on the, on the flip side, that was like that game. I don't know if you had seen it, but there was actually a petition after the game to get Pete Morelli off Eagles games because <laughs> the penalty disparity in his last, I forget what it is now, but in his last so many Eagles games is like way out of whack. It's like the Eagles have been penalized like five times or like seven times more than their opponent. It just doesn't, it doesn't look right. And I'm not saying it's rigged, but it just doesn't look right on paper. Sure. So there hasn't been a, a game outside of maybe those ones. I mean, the Chargers game was close. That was out in L.A., uh, but you know, still earlier in the season, I don't think you know that Eagles team is this Eagles team. You're looking at new pieces here. That's the that's the interesting thing about this Eagles team. It's not the same team because you get Ronald Darby back, and you added Jay Ajayi, and the Eagles added Daniel Ellerby, who who hasn't played yet. But they're they're bringing in some new pieces here to kind of work into the team, and that's kind of an interesting factor. On the flip side, the Eagles lost Aaron Sproles. They lost Jason Peters for the season. Those guys aren't coming back. And those are big losses, but they've been able to overcome them. So it's it's kind of interesting how this team, it's a lot of the core pieces are still in place in terms of Wentz and things like that, but it's not the same exact team. There's kind of been an evolution over the season. Sure, sure. Well, Brandon, thanks so much uh, for coming on the show and, and previewing the uh, previewing this game. Uh, with me, I uh, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm sticking by my prediction. Um, I, I either intend to fulfill on my prophecy, or it's going to be a long day for me uh, on Sunday. So God knows, our our last trip to Philadelphia four years ago was a disaster. Oh yeah, um, yeah, 2013 and a Sunday night football. It was flexed to Sunday night too, which was made it sting just even worse that it was a game that it was flexed onto Sunday night football. And it was what fifty five to thirteen or something like that. And was... the the crazy thing about that game was yeah. the the Bears could have won the division. I remember that with that game, they could yeah. have won oh, the yeah. NFC North. And the Eagles had nothing to play for. They literally they 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 could gain nothing from that game yeah. because even if they beat the Bears, they would still have to win in Week Seventeen against the Cowboys. So it was just like I remember uh, that day. There was another game on where the Cowboys were playing, I think, Washington, and Washington couldn't beat them, and I was so frustrated, and I had to drive down to the link that night to cover the game, and I was like, why am I even here? This is a pointless game. Like, the Eagles can't even gain anything from winning. Like I'm covering a pointless game. I was so frustrated, and then they just stomped the Bears. Yeah. And it wasn't even about the Bears in that game. It was about the whole crowd is chanting, we want Dallas, because they were just all ready for Week 17. So right. that, was an, that was an awesome moment in Philadelphia sports history that kind of came at the expense of the Bears. Yeah, that was um, one of the few times in the history of me doing this show. Uh, one of the things that I do is on, on Sundays or on game day, I have a little mini recorder where I do what I call knee-jerk reactions. And at the end of every quarter, I record like a minute to two-minute summation of what happened during that quarter, kind of giving, giving you as the listener insight on how I'm feeling about how the game is going. And because that game was so bad and the game was so embarrassing, the entire episode was the four knee-jerk reactions that I recorded. Like, I did not even want to waste any more time talking about that game and how bad it was. It's like, plain and simple, 
The Eagles were way better than us. It just, I mean, because nothing went right for the Bears in that game. Yeah, Absolutely nothing went right. It was just one of those nights where it's like the football gods were like, it's all Philly tonight, guys. It's, that's it. No, you know, no fuss, no muss. Boom, it's over before it even got started. The Bears never got off the bus uh, in that game. So hopefully this isn't that, and I won't have to sit through uh, that, and I'll be able to digest my Thanksgiving leftovers uh easy and you know watch a game that's at least interesting uh throughout so um thanks again for uh for coming back on the show to uh to preview that with me and uh best of luck to the eagles going forward thanks man thanks for having me and uh actually real quick before i let you go where else can we find you online uh where's uh you know you're still writing for for sb nation where else can we find you correct you can read me at bleedinggreennation.com and you can check out our podcast stuff at bgnradio.com, and you can follow uh, me on Twitter. That's at Brandon Gown. When do your uh, episodes come out? Uh, daily. We do daily Daily, okay. Now, so. Nice. Yep. All right. Yep. So, and you guys are on iTunes and Stitcher Correct. and all that kind of all stuff? all of that. Yep. Awesome. So, you know, this week in particular, go out and check out what, uh, what BGN Radio's got to say about the Bears and uh, see if we can uh, decipher it between the laughter of how easy this game's going to be for you guys and uh, – <laughs> You know, and all that ends. So, Brandon Lee Gowden, thanks so much again, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? 
Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So... What makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.